the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, it's Friday, and I'm back, and I have missed you guys like a front tooth. (laughs) That's an old Southern saying. Missed you like a front tooth. I certainly did. Uh, Big thanks to uh, Mr. Brooks for filling in. Big thanks to everybody who uh, sent me uh, nice messages over my brief break, a three-day break. I went to uh, the beach in New Jersey, my first time actually spending I want to use the phrase quality time at, uh, at the beach, at the Jersey Shore, in a lovely, a lovely town named Cape May. Actually, a lot of history in Cape May and a lot of interesting things in Cape May. And a lot of people who look like they're related to uh, Snooky and the situation as well. So, <laughs> hello, Jersey. <laughs> Uh, I, it was just a little brain break, long story. And then, um, yesterday I was in New York city. I went to Flushing Meadow to see if our, our, our guy Riley Opelka could play his way into the U S open. He got into the second round and sadly it ended there at the hands of a very, very talented German player. So next year, next year and, and watch out, Wojo, we'll get your number next year. But, uh, so thank you all uh, for saying where the heck are you and other lovely things. We have a lot to get to today. And yes, there will be a new show tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. If you want to join the discussion today, the phone number 888 Yeah, big number. Call in, join the conversation, weigh in. And if you are in the path of Harvey or along the Texas coast, uh, weigh in too. We want to talk to you and make sure you're safe. I'm a veteran of, I'm trying to think, when was my first hurricane that I was in? Agnes. Agnes was in the 70s and it hit the East Coast and nailed Washington, D.C. It was a mess. I was in Hurricane Agnes. I was in Hurricane Alicia. Hurricane Irene, Hurricane, there's a, a handful of them. And because of my time in Texas, we experienced a few. But if you're in the path of Hurricane Harvey, it is no joke. It is not to be toyed with. Uh, our friends in San Antonio are expected to get a Saturday evening dump of rain. And if this thing lingers, it's just awful. So... Our thoughts and prayers out to you guys. Don't mess around with it. I know everybody's going, we're just going to fill the bathtub. And we've got candles and a bunch of canned goods. No, it's not a good idea. This is not a good idea at all. So all of our friends in Texas, God bless you. And be smart. As Grandma Briety would say, be smart for yourself. Be very smart. Now, uh, many things I teased talking about today many things we need to talk about for those of you who saw i was trolling oliver darcy on twitter former blaze comrade oliver darcy 
who uh, was commenting on the there's a meme that's floating out there. I've been going after Jim Acosta for a while. CNN's Jim Acosta is acting like somebody's old girlfriend with Donald Trump. I've seen, you know, you all know that guy who dated that girl. And one of them broke up with the other and one of them can't seem to get over it. And is constantly wondering, what's he doing? What's she doing? What's he doing? What's she? That's Jim Acosta and Trump to me. And I just wish he would get over it. So I was messing with Oliver Darcy. I'm not talking to the people in those memes. So everybody just relax. But I do want to address the story, the Kamala Harris story. Kamala Harris is, uh, is a fascinating, fascinating uh, person. She's a senator now from California. She is a, um, a Democrat. I think she was the California Attorney General before they moved her into line to be the senator. She is telegenic. That's, that's politically correct speak to, for saying she's pretty. She is, um, as far as I'm concerned, adult. She's not somebody who I think is a, a good idea to lead the nation, but there are many in the Democratic Party who do. And so um, she is now being foisted upon many in, in the um, leadership roles in California. She is one of those people who is being uh, talked about as having uh, presidential timber. That's a word they use when, when politicians use when they're thinking a person could become president. They've got presidential timber. Kamala Harris yesterday tweeted something that is just laughable. And I think we should talk about it. Kamala Harris has a picture of herself with her concerned face looking at a small child who's in a yellow, a yellow hoodie. The hood is down. You can just see the back of the child's head. I don't want to speculate on the gender because I don't want to be, you know, suspended for assuming anything. But Kamala Harris is talking to this young child. And the tweet reads, children are our nation's future. Uh, yeah, thanks, Sherlock. Good, good work on that investigation. Children are our nation's future. This is a typical Democrat opening statement. You know, it's all for the children. If we don't do this for the children, they'll be saddled with what? I don't know, uh, $20 trillion of debt? Oh, that's right. That doesn't matter. But she goes on to say, children are our nation's future. We must listen to them about what they care about. Okay. Most of the time, though, children, if we actually talk to them about what they care about, it's about a Disney movie or a cartoon or, or a cereal that's staring them in the face as they walk through the grocery store and they want it because there's a toy inside. We must listen to them about what they care about. You know, I bet you if you really listen to them, kids would, would care about having a mom and a dad and somebody was there to make sure they were safe. Yeah, that's what I think.
But Kamala Harris also goes on to say in this tweet posted less than a day ago, we must listen to them about what they care about, which is, first of all, just horrible grammar, and give them a voice in our government. Drink that in. Kamala Harris, former Attorney General of California, Senator, United States Senator, one of a hundred people in the U.S. Senate, one, one of the chosen few to represent the state of California. Dedicated to fighting for justice and giving a voice to the voiceless. Kamala Harris, they, I'm telling you, the Democrats have identified a small group of 2020 possibilities, Kamala Harris among them. She checks a few boxes for Democrats. If you know who she is, you know what I'm talking about. This is where it gets really stupid, though. Children are our nation's future. I believe the children are the future. Yes, of course we all do, you dolt. We must listen to them about what they care about and give them a voice in our government. Sure, sure, this is a great idea, Senator. This is a wonderful idea. You've got children who should have a voice in the government. Yes, why don't we just, why don't we make sure we now have a junior senator from every state? Somebody, I I don't know, somebody who's under 15. Who's going to tell us, wait, you know what? I know 18 is the age when kids can vote, but this sounds like you would like us to give kids a voice in the government, which means a chance to maybe pick who represents them. You know what, Senator? When kids go out in the world and they are of their majority and they can fight and die for their country, then maybe we'll give them a voice in the government. Maybe they'll have a a chance to uh, vote, maybe. And until such time, you need to keep these stupid ideas to yourself. This is really dumb. This is like, you know, finally, I'm going to make a 100-year-old television reference here. This is like Otis in Mayberry. Otis becoming the mayor of Mayberry and lowering the drinking age to 10. So everybody in Mayberry can be as hammered as he is. This is the single dumbest thing I've heard from Kamala Harris, and she has said other dumb things. She wants kids to have a voice in our government. California, I'm back and I'm looking at you. What in the hell is going on? What what are we going to do, Kamala? We're going to lower that voting age in California. Maybe it's going to be 10. After all, we're letting the kids pick their gender when they're five. Why don't we let them start picking politicians when they're 10? This is the dumbest thing ever. This should disqualify you from becoming a candidate in 2020. This should take away your presidential timber. We must listen to them. Of course we should listen to kids. You should always listen to kids. A kid's job from the time they are born to the time they are of their majority is to enjoy life, and learn to be a good citizen. Can you imagine what the elections would be like if people like Kamala Harris had their way and we gave children a voice in our government? 
Now, if you confront her on this, I'm sure she says, well, of course not. I didn't mean children should vote. Then what did you mean? What did you mean by a voice in our government? The only thing that is a voice in our government is our vote. The only thing that any of us have at the end of the day, if you strip away everything from us, which you're trying to do, our history, everything, our money in taxes, everything. You want to give, you want to take away our vote and make sure now children can do it. This is, this is like the Democrats move to turn Texas red, to turn Colorado into a deep blue state. This is, this is why the immigration reform is so important because Democrats believe Latinos will support them if they're given the free citizenship with all the wonderful benefits. And can you imagine the kids? Kids being told, we're the party that will give you free college. The other party doesn't want to give you free college. They want to take away free college. Well, it's not there to be taken away. So let's give the children the vote. And by the way, you can stay in your mom and dad's insurance until you're 26 as well. So you're going to stay a child until you're 26. I know it's a weird way to start the show by picking on one state and one senator, but I I want you to be aware Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, senator from California, talked about frequently as a potential 2020 presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. Talking about giving children a voice in the government. As I said, if you think about it from the perspective of a real progressive, if you actually wrap your head around what Kamala Harris is suggesting here, then you're you're actually going to say, why not? Why not? We let them we let them pick a gender. On their fifth birthday, why don't we let them pick a government when they turn 10? Michael Pelka on Pure Pelka. I got to take a break. I, I can't believe it got this stupid this fast. I'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. To Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, happy Friday. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I, I'm I'm very happy to be here after everything I experienced. I, I have really interesting news. If you saw the video, if you noticed the uh, video that I posted on, I guess it was Wednesday, before the Powerball drawing, I was out taking a walk at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because old habits die hard and I can't sleep late. So I'm, I'm walking on the beach, having a little me time with the big guy upstairs and talking about what the heck I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm taking some video of the sun g- coming up over the horizon. And it, it, I know it happens every day. It's always spectacular to me. Never, never shy away from 
recognizing the majesty of God's work every morning and evening kind of realigns you, you know, centers you again. But I'm walking and I stumble upon a bottle, a wine bottle that's spinning in the foam of the, the waves as they're crashing on the shore off Cape May. And I pulled out the phone. I said, I got to periscope this. So I did. I, I, I actually covered it live as I picked up this, this wine bottle. And it wasn't in there very long because you could tell the, uh, the label was still completely intact. So it had to have been probably from the night before. And inside the bottle was a, a sandwich bag, a Ziploc type bag with, with a note inside. And so I tried to open it live on the radio, and I was unsuccessful. I broke the cork. I don't carry a corkscrew with me on the beach at 6 o'clock in the morning. But uh, I, I later, at noon on Wednesday, actually cracked the bottle open, and we did another live periscope. And you saw, if you watched, you saw me take out of the bottle the baggie with the note and... Uh, a Powerball ticket. The note read, put in ocean at Cape May Point, New Jersey, August 22nd, 2017. Good luck with lottery. And then there's an email address on it. And um, I, I suddenly was put into some sort of wild fantasy spin out. $700 million found inside a bottle. And who is this person? Who is this this magical wizard who threw this bottle into the ocean. And how did it go from Cape May Point, which is a few miles down the downstream, I guess. It, Cape May Point, from where I was, about eight miles. So this thing washed up on shore. And I watched with bated breath on Wednesday night, you know, kind of hoping, dreaming. Wow, wouldn't it be great? How much fun would it be to show up on Friday and say, woo And of course, as you know, uh, that Mavis woman had the single ticket and good for her. A nurse with a couple of kids. What a, I hope she breaks the lottery curse. So I, I hadn't reached out to the email address before that. Because, you know, you never know what kind of nut job throws a bottle into the ocean with a an email address and a note, and then, yeah, yeah, I just waited. But so I reached out today. And if you're back here at uh, 2.30 Eastern, we're going to talk to the person who put the note inside the bottle. It's an interesting story. I only know a little bit of it so far. Just a teeny tiny little bit of it. So I can't wait to hear the rest of that story as well. Again, needless to say, did not win. But that's okay. I've won many a lottery in this life. Also coming up today, um, Billy Hallowell, just around the corner. We're going to talk to Billy. He's from Faithwire, uh, another former Blaze writer. He was a faith editor here, and now he's over at faithwire.com. We do a Friday faith lift with Billy. Get some uh, uplifting stories for you. Plus, there's a big anniversary coming up, a big death anniversary coming up. We have to talk about that. I need to get into the story about the fake, the fake people 
these simulated humans that are out there, the, the dolls, if you will. I got to talk about There's a really wild story. And I have a robot story somebody needs to remind me of. And the, the really irritating, if it's true, the crazy story out of uh, Arizona, where a news crew appears to have stood by and watched as a monument was defaced. It's crazy. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some more, some more information on that. But just around the corner, Billy Hallowell with his regular Friday appearance. I haven't talked to Billy in days, so I'm dying to hear this. So um, hang out. We're watching Harvey. I got some Harvey updates, too. And uh, there's a story about Nancy Pelosi that's so insane. I have a hard time believing it myself. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. That's right. That's right. It's Piero Pelka, Michael Pelka, back in the saddle again. Happy Friday to you and yours. Can you believe? Can you believe we are almost finished with August? I know we got still got another week. Everybody, calm down. It's just it's it's going so fast. You know when you're driving around on the weekends or in the afternoons and you go by that farm stand and you see the mums are out for sale. They've got the mums in the pots for sale. You go, Oh man, that means, that means it's just about the end of summer. I was, I'm not ready, not ready for it to be fall. I love the fall, but I'm not ready. All right. Enough of my whining. Uh, the phone number, 888 One of the reasons I'm actually happy that I'm back on a, on a Friday, because people are like, why don't you come back for a Friday? So, well, Billy Hollowell, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a friend, and, and frankly, I owe him money. So uh, we do this Faith Lift Fridays thing. I'm kind of whittling down my debt, but the VIG is so high, I always seem to be farther behind each week when he sends me the note. And it's like, look, uh, the original debt was this, but the VIG is, and so we're still behind. But Billy's here and, and helping us out. Happy Friday, my friend. Happy, happy Friday, Michael Pelka. I'm... Um, I'm actually excited because in not not just because you're here, but uh, in two hours we're going to talk to the guy who threw that bottle into the ocean at Cape May Point that had the lottery ticket in it. Oh, you know, you always you always find the most fascinating people. I will say that about you have this uncanny ability since I've known you to kind of go out there, find the person, track them down, and stalk them into appearing on your radio show, and you always end up <laughs> like with you. interviews. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I have. It's actually very inspirational because I'm like, wow, there is somebody else who is like me who will who will stalk people into talking to them. And no, great. I'm talking about you're one of the weirdos I've run into. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, that's a given. Absolutely. Well, you were in uh, you were on vacation a couple of weeks ago and you actually called in from the shore with your family, which I appreciated. And we were in uh, Ocean, uh, Cape May, New Jersey. And uh, a, a, a wine bottle washed up on shore with a cork and inside was a message They're like oh, a message in a bottle. I'll take that. And inside was a note and a lottery ticket. But I, I tracked down the guy had put his email address in with the note, and I just tracked him down. And he's gonna he's gonna join us and explain what the heck he was doing because it's really an interesting story. But I love that, and I love Cape May. Cape May is an amazing, amazing place. I usually go there every year, so we missed each other this year. I went to Maryland instead. Well, I will tell you this: uh, my first time at Cape May. It's beautiful. There's a lot of history there, which you know I love. Uh, I walked around trying to pick up some of the history, but there, there's also a lot of relatives of Snooky in the situation still lingering. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, and as, as an Italian who goes to the Jersey Shore, I will tell you, um, we loved Maryland more because it was more families. You know, there, there are families that came in, but it, yeah, it's a lot more Jersey Shore feel, MTV sort of. It's, it's an in-between place. That's what I call it. It's a lot of yeah. young people and a lot of families, but well, you found the a, families, a lottery ticket. The, the families that we saw were the Sopranos and the Gambinos, as far as I'm concerned. That's usually, that's usually our family. We're usually with them. It's, it's great. <laughs> well, I, I met some of your relatives. This, uh, the lovely people. I'm just saying, in case anyone's listening. My in-laws are there right now. They're actually driving home today, so maybe you ran into them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, Billy, you, what are you up to at uh, Faithwire? What's the, what's the hot story? I saw something about churches falling down in terms of what they should be doing with people with mental illnesses. Yeah, that was, you know, so we just recorded our Pure Talk. We have a show that we do with Pure Flix on the Pure Flix Facebook page. We do it um, every few weeks, and we just recorded an episode with Jared Wilson, who's a pastor. He's got a book coming out um, in September, and it's about mental health, and it's called Love is Oxygen. And he basically, he's a young guy, he's like in his early 30s, he went through severe depression when he was 19 years old. He found himself in a car Googling painless ways to take my own life um, and overcame, you know, overcame suicide and overcame anxiety. And so he's written this book. And really his argument is that a lot of churches, and I think it's, it's really interesting, and maybe there are a lot of reasons why this is the case, but a lot of churches have not done a great job on mental health. You know, it's been sort of ignored. There are some, you know, arenas in which people say, just keep praying, it'll get better, it'll get better. And, you know, prayer is a powerful thing, but when there's an underlying element, you've got to sometimes treat that. You know, it's not, uh, prayer is not always going to be all the time the thing that, you know, cures somebody when they're suffering from something clinical. So, you know, we had a really interesting interview with Jared just talking about his experience, um, and we've got that as a story written up on faithwire.com, but also um, you can watch the video of that interview and of Pure Talk. So that's one of the stories we've got. We've got a lot of stuff going on. It's like a it's a wild world. There's also actually, and these are this is a, a simpler story, but the Benham brothers. You might remember them. Uh, they mm-hmm. posted this photo 
of their dad's Bible. And I thought it was so interesting because, you know, we, we all try to keep our books looking really nice and not, you know, you buy a book, you want it to kind of look okay. But this Bible is written in, it's highlighted, it's underlined, and it's just a really cool image of an open Bible sort of showing that this is a guy who literally throughout his life has read this book, commented, and it took notes. And it was sort of a cool starting point for a reminder of sort of how we should, you know, maybe ponder things, you know, spiritual things more, think about our life, and for Christians, sort of read the Bible. So we've got that story, and, and it's gotten a lot of interest on our site. It, it reminds me of uh, the parallel often drawn between uh, faith books like the Bible and uh, the Constitution. You know, if, if they both sit unopened and unread, nobody can fully apply them or understand what they're supposed to be helping us with. So it is right. kind of an interesting thing. You've got a spiritual operations manual and a government operations manual. Right. And unless you you actually go in there, they're not going to really help you. They're just going to be something that gathers dust. And you've got to be familiar with it. And so it's interesting because I, I know singer Jordan Sparks also posted a similar picture of her Bible not that long ago. And it got a lot of attention because people are sort of like, wow, I mean, these people are pouring themselves into this, trying to understand it. And you're right about the Constitution. It's like, yeah, we could, we could talk about it all day, but if you haven't read it and you're not familiarizing yourself with it and keeping up on it, you know, you're in trouble. But I can't – I have to tell you this because I'm going to forget. My favorite story of the week, hands down, is Marco Rubio versus the atheist. I don't know if you've seen this, but is it, the is atheist that a – is that a wait? Is that a Japanese claymation movie? Marco Rubio versus the atheist? <laughs> no, it should be. It, it is not. It should be. But the Freedom from Religion Foundation has come after Marco Rubio. They are demanding. I don't know if you've noticed, but since May he has been tweeting Bible verses every day on his Marco Rubio account, and they are arguing the Freedom from Religion Foundation that his account is a public account that he posts government material and information about his career and what he's doing on it, and that by posting Bible verses, it's government speech, and it's illegal, and he needs to stop doing it. So they sent him a letter making the demand that he stop posting Bible verses on his Marco Rubio Twitter account. And, I mean, this is a letter that goes on for a few pages. So they've, they've tried to build quite an argument for themselves. And my favorite part is they use the book of Matthew. They point back to Jesus' words about not praying in public to try to shame him. They're like, look, if you're not going to listen to the Constitution, you should listen to Jesus. And then they quote Jesus against Marco Rubio. It's, it's very entertaining. And I find that fascinating when the <laughs> atheists are better versed on the verse than many people out there in the world today. Oh well, my. What's funny about it, too, is that, you know, of course, they don't have the context. They don't have the information on the verse. They're just throwing this proof text out. And I always laugh when atheists go back to the Bible and try to use it to sort of validate why they are mad at Christians about something. Um, but look, yeah, it's the Marco Rubio Twitter account. It's his account. And so he's tweeting things about his job as well. I don't see a problem with that. I would not consider that account government speech, a government account. When he's done, if he is done with politics, it's still his account. It's not like this is coming from an official Senate account. So it's just sort of bizarre and silly to me, and it's yet another ridiculous battle. And I think, you know, I, sometimes I want to do PR for, and I obviously wouldn't, but for atheists and Democrats, because they always overextend themselves on things. And it's like, if you just dialed it back 10 steps, you know, maybe Donald Trump wouldn't be president. Maybe you would have been able to get Hillary in, but you always overshoot. And I think that's what they do, and that's what the atheists are doing here.
Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. That story is on Faithwire under Billy Hallowell's byline. Atheists use Jesus's own words to demand Marco Rubio immediately stop tweeting Bible verses. <laughs> I, love I am rubber. You are glue. Whatever scripture I quote bounces off me and sticks to you. <laughs> you, you just can't make this stuff up. It's, it's almost like. In the Freedom from Religion Foundation offices, and they're probably going to start tweeting me for saying this, but yeah, they just they had a really slow day. There was nobody to sue, and so they were like, you know what? We're going to send a letter to Marco Rubio. Well, there. It's funny you bring up the Freedom from Religion Foundation because I'm not sure if this happened yet, but there is a tiny prayer chapel on a campus in Oklahoma, a tiny one, Billy. We're talking. You, you'd have to go outside. <laughs> to bring in a second Bible and fold it up and bring it. It's tiny on this little bitty school in Oklahoma. And uh, the Freedom From Religious Foundation has sued them because there is a cross atop the chapel and they want the cross cut off of the steeple and they want crosses and any Bibles inside a chapel to be removed um, and it's the same, same lovely people from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They sued a tiny school because the school can't afford the, the lawsuit. Right, so, and a uh, lot of people will just back down. They'll just back away. It's fascinating to me that people get so worked up over something they don't believe is real. You know, it's so offensive and unbelievable that something would be there. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating because really what this boils down to is, sure, is ensuring that only one other viewpoint can exist, and that's what we've seen happen in schools and everywhere. Sure, you know, the, the religious viewpoint can't be there, but the secular one absolutely can be, and that's the right one. That's the one that we should be pushing, and there's a whole set of values there that they always end up, you know, you know, sort of pushing on people. And I just think it's so it's so interesting. They're not always wrong, but I think they pick a lot of silly battles. No, stupid battles. And it's in, it's infuriating to me because it exposes the juxtaprogressivism, the contradiction between what they say are these open and accepting beliefs and the lack of any understanding of anyone else's point of view or worldview. And it just it. it, it violates all of the things that I stand for in free speech. There's nothing offensive about a nativity. I mean, goodness, when Christmas comes, I laugh every time. It's it's a mother, a father, and a baby. That's the least you can say. And there's nothing offensive about it. It's a holiday that 90-some-odd percent of the country celebrates. And if they say they don't celebrate it religiously, they're silly because it's a religious holiday. So, you know, you're not celebrating Christmas if you're not celebrating what it's really about. You're celebrating some other thing, some other secular thing, which is fine. You're free to, but... Anyway, I could go on and on, and I, I think these people just need to find hobbies to fill the time when there aren't legitimate cases to file. I hope so. I hope they can find <laughs> some hobbies. Here's my assignment for them, Billy, as we check out this week. Uh, how many state constitutions mention the word God? Because the U.S. Constitution explicitly never mentions God, but state constitutions do. We'll discuss next week. That's your homework assignment. I wrote a story about it, so I can't wait to talk about it. We will, we will do that. Have a great weekend, and uh, I hope all, everybody in your house is good, and we'll talk again next week, and you and I will talk after the break. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Man, oh man, what have I got to get to? Oh, geez, we have so much to cover today. And first of all, thank you guys for all the nice notes while we were gone. Uh, I'm back and I'm bad. And (laughs) oh, have we got things to cover today. This story out of Arizona needs more time. So we'll get to that. Remember the jerk in New York we talked about last week, the guy who worked in the court and said he barely showed up for work? Yeah, we talked about it, got a lot of attention, and guess who lost his job? Guess who lost his job? And uh, I think his wife, (laughs) his wife lost her job too, and somebody told him to hire a lawyer. So you guys did that as well. You you have great power as a group. Uh, Just around the corner also, uh, we're going to talk about something that people at the University of Illinois did, home of the Fighting Illini. Yeah, it's a reference to Native Americans. Uh, they play this uh, this little piece of music before uh, every game. It's the, the Illini war chant, you know. And uh, it's just drum music, pretty much, you know. That's uh, the uh, Illinois Classic University of Illinois Marching Illini Band, their game day classic. Well, it was their game day classic. The war chant heard during athletic events at the University of Illinois. Well, make that past tense not allowed to be played anymore. It's been banned. It's cultural appropriation. They're calling this Native American appropriation. Yeah, there's not much else to say other than Illinois, you're you're just stupid. The athletic department told the Illinois Illini Pride Group to stop playing the song at all athletic events. Soccer matches, football games, basketball games. Just stop. It's another sad day. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour of Pure Opelka. Happy Friday. Welcome to the program. Glad to be back. Glad you're here. Join the conversation. Those of you in Texas, you are forgiven. You don't need to join the conversation, especially if you're busy making uh, storm preparations. We have a bunch of folks, uh, friends and family in San Antonio. I still have a big chunk of family in the New Orleans area. And a lot of friends in Texas and, of course, all of the crew up in Dallas. But San Antonio, where I spent uh, years in college, and then Houston, where I spent years unsupervised. I worry about all of those folks. I went through uh, several hurricanes. They are no joke. Unless, of course, you're Geraldo Rivera. I miss Geraldo out there covering, (laughs) covering storms. Geraldo used to get a little over the top 
during the hurricane coverage. Geraldo would get down uh, to, uh, like, for example, during Hurricane Irene, he was down in Galveston right there on, on the seawall in Galveston. He got blown over at least once. And then uh, later in the evening, Geraldo was looking out into the dark waters. And what he didn't realize was there's a guy who was on a rope who had been put into the water to go out and try and secure something. So they had him tied up. He was in a life jacket and had a rope tied to him. And uh, Geraldo thought he had spotted somebody that he was going to save. I'll just give you a little bit of this one. A tremendous amount of, uh, of debris. Is that a person? Is that a person in the water there? Can you see right in the edge there? Oh, it looks. See, it was dark at night. Is that a person? Can you zoom in on that? It is a person. Where? Where? It's a person there along along the uh, along the wall. Along the wall. Do you see right there? It's a person. There's a person stranded. There's a person stranded. There's a person stranded. I'm telling the cops here. Quick, guys. Look, there's a person in the water there. Right there, a person in a life jacket. You see him? Yeah, the person in the life jacket. Yeah, do you see him? And meanwhile, the cops are like, uh, yeah, watch these guys with the rope, Geraldo, the guys who are reeling him in. He keeps, the, the, the person in the water gets a little closer. Oh my God, he is, he's, he's the person in the, he's swimming. He's swimming. Oh, he's got a lifeline, he's got a lifeline. He's got a lifeline. Oh my God. Yeah, the guy swam right up to Geraldo's like, what's the big deal? I've got a rope and I'm here in the water. Everybody calm down. These are the things I will watch hurricane coverage. I know it's a serious storm. I know people are going to lose property and God, I hope there is no loss of life. But I watch it to see which one of these dopey reporters will think they're going to make their big name, get their big break by going out in 120 mile an hour winds. Somebody will try. Somebody will make the effort. So let's, let's all just understand it's going to happen. And let's accept it. That was, that was Geraldo. He doesn't do that anymore. The, the one time when he was yelling during, uh, I think it was during uh, Katrina, too. He saw a, uh, a worker who was out in the industrial canal in Katrina. Might have been Gustav. Uh, and he was, uh, yeah, I think it was Gustav. Hurricane Gustav back in 2008. And the guy, same situation. Geraldo's right there on the water's edge, and a guy is trying to secure a propane tank. He has a life jacket and a rope. But Geraldo can't help but get upset and start yelling as well. There's a person there along, along the uh, along the wall, along the wall. Yeah, it's the same. He's, he just... He, he's got one line. So if you want to have some fun before the actual videos happen, you can go to the YouTubes and look up Geraldo Rivera Hurricane and, and you'll see all kinds of entertaining video out there. The one where he gets knocked over by the wave. He doesn't get hurt. I know I'm not, I'm not calling for anyone to get hurt, but it's just, it's just my, my own little silliness. 
couple of things we have to talk about, some serious stuff we have to talk about. There's a good chance that um, this hour we will talk with one of our Blaze pals, Mike Broomhead. Mike is, um, you've heard him fill in for Glenn uh, on the weeks that I filled in for Glenn. Sometimes we'll be back to back. But Mike Broomhead is a guy who out in Arizona keeps an eye on just about everything. And Mike contacted me earlier today because of something that was reported by a local television station in, in Phoenix. Channel 12 in Phoenix. I believe it's an NBC affiliate. And a reporter named Brian West went to the Wesley Bolin Plaza where all of the memorials are, are situated. There are memorials to very various different wars we've been involved in. And there happens to be a Confederate memorial at Wesley Bolin Plaza. Brian West claims he went there to talk about a defaced memorial. When he got there, he reported that the memorial had been defaced and a guy on a bicycle was seen fleeing the the memorial. He called the police and then covered it. Well, Mike Broomhead, being the intrepid talk radio investigator he is, asked for all of the security surveillance videos around the plaza. And in looking at the surveillance videos near the Capitol there, he saw the news van from Channel 12 pull up and turn its headlines, headlights on the back of the memorial. So in other words, the van pulled up and curiously had its headlights pointing at the back of the memorial. A minute later, a guy on a bicycle, the suspect, rides past the van in front of the headlights carrying two cans of spray paint. He then rides across the street in front of the memorial and spends just about four and a half minutes painting and defacing the memorial. Then he gets back on the bike and, and rides away, but towards the van at first as he, had, as he uh, leaves the scene. A minute later on the video, the news crews actually go and set up and to do the story. How bizarre is it? How bizarre is it that this guy on a bicycle showed up pretty much at the same time the news crew's van showed up? He only went up to the monument about a minute after the van put its lights on the back of the monument. Now, there are some other surveillance videos from the area. Now, you got the, you got the basic premise here. Here's a news crew that was going out at night to cover the monuments outside the Capitol in Arizona. And they were going to, at, at Wesley Bolin Plaza, talk about all the monuments and all the, all the noise about the monuments that's being made in the world right now. So they're, they're going out there with reporter Brian West. The van pulls up and turns its lights on the back of the Confederate monument. Now, the monuments are spread out. They're not just bunched up right on top of each other. 
So specifically, the Confederate monument was illuminated by the lights of the news van. Within minutes, less than two minutes of the lights from the news van going onto the back of the Confederate monument, a guy rides up and proceeds to deface the monument with spray paint. And then he rides away. After he rides away, the news crew sets up cameras and they do this exclusive report on the vandalism to the memorial at 4.40 in the morning. So this happened before dawn, in the wee hours of the morning, as it were. You got where this is going? Let's do the timeline again. News van pulls up at the plaza where all the monuments are located, Wesley Bolin Plaza. Turns the lights onto one of the monuments, just happens to be the Confederate monument. How strange. Within minutes, I think it's less than two, a bicyclist pulls up and proceeds to take out two cans of spray paint and deface the Confederate monument. Didn't touch any other monument, just the Confederate monument, the one that happened to be recently illuminated by the news van. And then he rides off. The news crew sets up their cameras proceeds to report on this exclusive coverage showing the the monument has been defaced by vandals. Now, here's where it gets strange. A review of earlier video from about 15 minutes earlier in the same area, a security camera on top of a parking garage just around the corner shows the guy on the bicycle arriving. He got there 10 minutes before the news crew. He rode around the monument area before the news crew got there, almost as if he was waiting for the news crew to show up and illuminate the scene and maybe catch video of this unknown vandal. You see the guy in the videos. There's two different, three different surveillance videos that Mike Broomhead has provided us that all take place between 429 in the morning and 445 in the morning. We have written to the station and to the newscaster. I have asked the newscaster, Brian West, if he would be so kind as to uh, join us and talk to us about this. Because from from every bit of common sense, this smells like a setup. That somebody decided, hey, if we we had one of the monuments to face, that would be a big story. It just stinks on ice. How did this happen? How did this just happen to happen the moment the news van pulled up? And who, if you're a vandal, if you're a tagger, if you're out there to deface a monument, do you really think that when the lights were turned on, that's when you'd run up and start defacing the monument? No. You'd wait till it was dark or till the van was gone, and then you'd go up. Because guess what? The lights are going to illuminate you. The police have been notified on this, of course. The news station is not commenting. 
they have declined any any uh, offers made by both Mike Broomhead and I. It's just the strangest thing ever. Brian West, Channel 12, you have an open door here at the Blaze Radio. Open door. You want to explain what's going on? I'll tell you what. I'll post a link to this. Uh, I'll share the videos as well. And you can make up your own mind. It sure seems to stink on ice. This, this is not what we need, especially when it comes to this monument story. Now, on Twitter, I also teased that I was going to give you the best solution for the monument problem. I got it. I thought it out. It's, it's, if I must say so, it's genius. And I'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a, a Friday, and we will be here tomorrow morning, bright and early. Well, it'll be early. I can't uh, divulge just how bright I will be, but I will make every effort. Um, and I will be at least feeling good because, as you know, I am a. Uh, a paid spokesperson, but I am an unabashed advocate for Relief Factor. Relief Factor is a, uh, a miracle for me. I started using Relief Factor back in April when they decided to become sponsors of the show. And I said, well, let me try it first. And we actually did the trial on air. I started taking Relief Factor during the show. And I told you I would, I would be honest with you and let you know if it's working, we'll continue. And guess what? Eight days after I started taking Relief Factor at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I started noticing I wasn't having the pains in my knees, in my back, in my neck, in my hips. I had had pain because of irritation and inflammation from all the running I did in much younger years. So I started taking it. As I said, it started working eight days later. And I'm thrilled. Relief Factor is an all-natural combination of botanicals in, in one of the capsules. And actually, there's two, two capsules in each packet you, you carry with you. Two bo- botanical capsules, so that's all natural. And then two wild-harvested fish oil capsules. That combines with your body to reduce the inflammation, which reduces the irritation and the pain. So it works for me. I haven't taken any pain medication since I started taking Relief Factor, and I had been doing that quite consistently. I'm playing more golf. I'm in the garden. I'm walking every morning, speed walking. If you want to get your life back, check out Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com or pick up the phone and call them at 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It is Relief Factor. Now, I mentioned before the break, as we were talking about the story out of Phoenix, of the monuments, or at least the Confederate monument being attacked, that I had an idea. 
that I had an idea on how we could we could deal with the monument problem. What bothers me, aside from the fact that we're erasing history, what bothers me is the destruction as well. Now, I, you, there's no way I'm going to honor or speak highly of uh, a monument to either a Nazi or a racist or any of that stuff. But if you look at the artwork, look at the construction, the beautiful horses in most of these monuments. You can make an argument that that art needs to be preserved. You could make an argument that old temples should be preserved, even Aztec temples, temples to strange gods. What about the, the heads at Easter Island? What if, if ISIS found Easter Island? Do you think they'd destroy all those giant Easter Island heads? But here's my thing. I say we sell them. We put them up for auction. And let somebody either own them and then we use the money to build new monuments to American greatness. Or we put them in a museum. I guarantee there are people out there that would pay money for some of those statues or monuments. You make it. Let's let's take a capitalist approach to this. Let's sell the offensive monuments to the highest bidder. And let's use the money in the communities where they used to stand. Maybe you create a scholarship program, especially built around history. Maybe you create a historical center that shows people the mistakes that were made in the early formation of this country, in the early days of America. But to destroy and to deny is not the way we need to go. To tear apart a nation by eliminating our history is also not the way to go. I know, it's brilliant. You're welcome. After the break, we're going to talk to our friend Phil Lempert. You know, he's the supermarket guru, but he's more than that. Phil's a regular. He's usually on with us Tuesdays or Thursdays, but I was out, so he'll be here, and you should be too. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Michael Pelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's a Friday and uh, it's not a Thursday or a Tuesday, which is when we usually have our friend Phil Lempert, the supermarketguru.com, if you want to know about trends in food and great ideas about food, food that can make you healthier or make your life better, as well as, like I said, the trends. You need to stop by supermarketguru.com. Uh, I've known Phil for better part of a decade, uh, and I respect his opinion on stuff, but uh, I, I'm, I was but, we were just talking. You're not talking. supposed to say but. Okay, I'm sorry, Phil. I know, and it's not a big but. <laughs> I was saying, you know, we, we talk about healthy foods and all this stuff, but as I'm watching the hurricane come, come ashore in Texas, 
I'm thinking, you know, I know I have a survival food supply here after being in four or five hurricanes in my life. Does the supermarket guru have survival food? Absolutely. And, and Mike, you know, I've got to tell you, I don't care where you are in the country, for your home, if you've got a boat, for your boat, for your cars, these um, preparedness kits are relatively cheap. They're about 20 bucks. It has water in it. It has some kind of protein in it. Obviously, it has first aid in it. Buy it. Go on Amazon. Buy it look at it every couple of years to make sure nothing's expired. But unfortunately, because of weather conditions and obviously the weather conditions affect the price of food. Um, so so that's one of the reasons that we watch this very, very carefully is you want to be prepared. You don't want to be stuck in a situation where there's no water or no food. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I have since 9-11, since September 11th, 2001, I have in the back of every car, uh, a backpack that's got five days of supply, and it's three, it's two people and a dog, and then here at home, 30 days, just in yep. case. And then yep. I've, I've, I think I've got about a two-month supply of lead in various sizes, just in case it gets really crazy. The different in, topic. Of lead? Yeah, lead. You know, it goes into those little chambers, and then you point Why? it at people. Why do you, you have know. lead? The, the, it works on the Second Amendment principle. So have you heard about Amazon lowering prices at Whole Foods? <laughs> I did, Phil. Thank you for just letting that slide. Uh, yeah, yesterday I saw something as I, I've been out for three days and I saw something that said, and this is a follow up on what you told us about a month ago. You said, watch Amazon and Whole Foods. They're going to change the way we acquire food. Now, what was the big news yesterday? Well, the big news is, and we said it, you know, last month, we said it 10 weeks ago when the announcement was first made, the first move that Amazon was going to do is lower prices of Whole Foods. That's been the biggest problem that Whole Foods has had, this perception of whole paycheck. So Amazon is known <laughs> for value. That's the first thing they they do. In fact, starting this Monday, they're lowering prices. Also, what they're doing is they're going to incorporate their rewards program that's on Amazon. That's going to become the rewards program. They're going to set up lockers, the Amazon lockers and all the Whole Foods. I got to tell you something, Mike, this is the most exciting time in grocery history. There's no question about it. You've got Lidl, you've got Aldi, you've got Walmart, who's, who's really making some significant changes. Monday, they open up in a Walmart in Orlando, Florida, the first fast, casual, organic in-store eatery that they've ever had. And Ray Allen, the basketball player, and his wife, Shannon, who I know, you know, are doing it. It's going to be fabulous. The, the grocery shopping is different as of Monday forward. Wow. So uh, the 28th of August, grocery shopping, as we know it, changes dramatically. And you said Walmart is opening an organic, fast, casual restaurant eatery? Yes. Well, with Ray Allen, the basketball player, and Shannon, his wife, who's a fabulous cook and, and chef. I know her. Um, and and again, what it's doing is it's saying that, you know, something organics don't have to be afford uh, don't have to be expensive. They can be affordable and affordable for everyone. And whether you're eating there, whether you're taking it home, you know, organics are not a fad, Mike. I mean, this is a trend. It's been around for a long time, actually for hundreds of years. Uh, but but, you know, we don't have 
have to have organics be twice the price. And that's been the downfall of of Whole Foods when it comes to organics. So now with Amazon, with Walmart, we're going to have better quality food. We're going to have more organic food, better tasting food, more fresh foods, more delivery, all this at a less expensive cost. Well, see, I, I love this news because you always go in, you know, me, I'm like everybody else. I go in the grocery store and I see the one section that says organic. And you're right. The price was always a little more. And mm-hmm. I now I'm starting to see the price differential get closer and closer. Is that just because we're now we're now growing more organically? The, the big farmers are starting to say, hey, we can do this, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mike, you're right on target. As demand goes up and supply goes up, efficiencies come into farming, come into packaging. I mean, again, 20, 30 years ago, these were tiny little companies. Uh, Now they're big companies and they've got the efficiency when it comes to operations so that organics can cost the same, if not just a little bit more. Um, and, And that's been why Kroger, for example, has been stealing a lot of Whole Foods customers away because because Kroger can sell it, you know, 20, 25 percent less than Whole Foods. But those days are over. Yeah, this change for for uh, Whole Foods prices, because you're you're absolutely right. That I love that joke, whole paycheck. But now, Phil, when Whole Foods made the announcement, we're low, dramatically lowering food prices. Amazon made the announcement once we finished the sale. The stock of Walmart tanked <laughs> that day. But and you were Kroger saying- and Costco and every public supermarket company. And it's the second time. What's interesting about this is when the announcement was first made about 10 weeks ago, everybody's stock price went down except for Amazon and, and Whole Foods. But on the same announcement, the same thing, they're going down again. So it, it really just underscores the importance of what Whole Foods is doing with Amazon. But is it? Is it going to have a big effect on Walmart? You were saying Walmart will be okay. Walmart will be okay because they've really been working for probably the past five years on a new C-Store concept, on organics. I mean, Walmart is a really big ship. Uh, Keep in mind that Whole Foods only has 460 plus stores. Um, Walmart is the biggest food retailer. But what we're now seeing is they're moving quickly. Just a couple days ago, they announced a partnership with Google. So if you've got an OK Google, you know, sitting at home, you can now order your groceries from Walmart there let's not count Walmart out yet. I think that the people who are really in trouble are those 40, 50, 60,000 square foot stores that are dinosaurs. They've been extinct for 10, 15 years. They're the ones that are really in trouble. Huh. I wonder if those stores will be looked at as, as a warehouse or transitional places for these, some of these new mega food suppliers with their shipping and their delivery units. There, there may be something there. Well, yeah, huh. Mike, you're, you're right on target. Um, there's a lot of talk of that. Um, we've seen it with shopping malls, with all these huge buildings that, you know, are going empty. What do you do with them? You can't afford to tear them all down. We need some kind of infrastructure. So to your point, I think we are going to see some of these stores close, probably the larger ones that are 70 to 100,000 square foot and become depots the same way that Amazon is going to be using Whole Foods as a depot for Amazon fresh delivery, for pickup and the like. I think we're going to see other retailers, smaller retailers do the same thing in order to compete. 
You know, Phil, you, you couldn't have known this, but uh, as a guy who started his real full-time work career putting cans on shelves and using the old price stamper, the one that had the ink, and you had to turn the rubber numbers to to You're, uh, you're an change. old guy, Mike. You're yeah, I know guy. I'm an old you know, guy. We know you know that. You don't have to rub it in. Thanks a lot. (laughs) But I love to see the way a business develops. And it's it's ultimately creating a new innovation in industry as well as bringing down the cost and availability of foods for all of us. So it's a win win for consumers. Absolutely. And 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 it's just it's it's wonderful to be able to see it. Phil, I don't have a whole lot of time. We're talking to Phil Lempert, by the way. The supermarketguru.com is where you find him, supermarketguru.com. Is there a, a food trend we need to look out for, or is it just really uh, pumpkin spice time and everybody needs to calm down? We, we should forget about pumpkin spice. I, yes. I agree with you. Um, I think what we really want to watch is the price of protein, according to the Consumer Price Index um, in the middle of the month, actually sold for the first time in 19 quarters protein is going up. So watch the prices carefully of beef, of pork, and of chicken. Beef, pork, and chicken about to go up, people. Keep your eyes out for it. Fill the freezer now. (laughs) Vacuum seal and fill the freezer now. That's what I'm saying. Phil Lempert, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I guess you didn't know about my predilection for the Second Amendment here in the Northeast. No. No. That's okay. Oh, did you hear that, you know, um, Amazon is buying Whole Foods? I, Amazon's buying Whole Foods. I did. My my food cost is going down. Exactly. It's great news. We'll talk to you again soon, Phil. Take care, <laughs> Thanks my so friend. Thanks so much, Mike. He is the most knowledgeable guy I've ever run into in the entire food spectrum. And uh, I just appreciate him so much. Phil Lempert is his name. Supermarketguru.com is his site. Go there and get smart. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Once again, the guy we just talked to, his name is uh, Phil Lempert. You can find his regular updates at supermarketguru.com, supermarketguru.com. I'm a little distracted by the graphics showing the storm just beating the tar out of Texas. And I'm hoping that our friends and family in that great state are going to be okay. But when you see a weather forecast claiming 40 plus inches of rain hitting around the uh, Corpus Christi up to almost up to the uh, Houston area, that's a whole bunch of water. Even if you say 10 inches of snow to foot, that's 400 inches of snow falling in a couple of days. That's too much. Too much. Um, I want to get into a discussion of of something that people have been talking about here, and that is uh, the the 25th Amendment. If you follow Keith Olbermann, which you should do it just for the laughs, right? 
Uh, Keith Olbermann, once a great sportscaster, then went on to be a political pundit and had a show on MSNBC where he would regularly address the worst person in the world. Glenn Beck got that title a couple of times. I never, never was around long enough in this capacity to get that title. Olbermann, since the election of Donald Trump, has been screaming on his miniature online program about how Donald Trump needs to go and needs to be thrown out and needs to be impeached, yada, yada, yada. And he's quoting the 25th Amendment all the time. And if you've heard people talk about the 25th Amendment, there have been now congressmen and senators who have said that they might consider using the 25th Amendment to get rid of the president, which is, you know, it's all well and good. You're all allowed to look at the the Constitution and see if there's something there. Well, in the 25th Amendment, in order to basically neutralize a president, and first of all, it's never really been used to remove a president, In order to neutralize a president, you would need more than half of the cabinet and the vice president to vote and say that he's incapable of doing his job. Now, that said, the the president would then stand up to a House vote. And in the House vote... In order to do this in accordance with the 25th Amendment, I believe I've got this correct, you would need two-thirds of the House supporting what the cabinet plus the vice president had said. So if you get a majority of the cabinet and the vice president to say uh, he's got to go, he's not capable of doing the job, then you got to get two-thirds of the House to say the president needs to go. Even if that happened... All the president has to do is say, I'm fine now. Mentally, I'm okay. And it negates the entire vote by the cabinet and the House of Representatives. So this is just one giant, one giant waste of time to talk about the 25th Amendment. And then there's the story, I think it was in the Washington Post today, there's an actual editorial that says removal of the president by impeachment or the 25th Amendment, impeaching this president is probably worse than keeping him because the impeachment proceedings require high crimes and misdemeanors and the president be guilty of such. And if he is, then he's out. But what we're talking about now is lowering the bar because people don't like him. And if you lower the bar for this guy, the person you replace him with has that same low bar to deal with. Power changes. Be careful of what you wish for. You just might get it. And if that happens, you're stuck with the same situation next time. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, I'm back from my uh, brief three-day break. I'm happy to be here. Glad you're there. A lot going on today. We are monitoring whatever the heck is happening with Hurricane Harvey as it barrels down on, uh, wow, that Texas coastline hitting at Corpus Christi and everything all the way up to Galveston and Houston and now leading into New Orleans with some of the outer bands of the hurricane. It's going to be a messy weekend for those folks. I I look and I see a 40-inch rainfall projected for one area just north of Corpus Christi. That's insane. So, uh, you know, keep a good thought, say a prayer or two for our friends in the path of the hurricane because... This hurricane is going to affect everything. Believe it or not, it's going to cost you money. The um, oil refineries in the area and the oil production in that area in the Gulf of Mexico have a national effect. So it's going to hit the pump. Probably not right away. And anybody who does do that needs to be smacked for uh, messing with tragedy like that. So just keep an eye out. We cover everything on this show, and I, I have some some of the politics that we'll have to get to before we get out of here. I got a couple of very interesting hot topics. Plus, if you saw the video I posted on Wednesday of the wine bottle that washed up on shore in Cape May, New Jersey, with a lottery ticket and a note inside, I found the person who threw that bottle into the water. There was an email address attached to it. I found the person... We're going to have a very interesting conversation at the bottom of this hour. But first, I wish I had a breaking news alert, you know, like a like a glass pane breaking. So we could say there's breaking news happening because we have friends in high places in this in this show. uh, We get some breaking news alerts. And uh, our buddy Carl Ruiz, also known as the Cuban, the mad Cuban, Sabor Chef on Instagram, and the guy who uh, does everything his wife tells him to do, almost, at Marie's Italian Specialties in Chatham, New Jersey. I got a message from Carl that said, I got breaking news. I got breaking news. And I said, well, I'm back. So uh, welcome back, my friend. How are you? What's going on, Mike? Well, you know, it's Friday. I'm watching Texas get the tar pounded out of it by this crazy. This is a monster hurricane. I'm very worried. Wow. I'm, uh, if it if it if it if it uh, if it happens, there's no one equipped to deal with it better than people from Texas. You, you know, know you're, I, I lived I lived in Houston and San Antonio for 13 years, and you are so right. We went through a few of these, but this one this one looks a little bigger, Carl, than <laughs> than anything I remember. Yeah, it's this one's looking. I, you know, I'm reaching out to a bunch of my buddies down there, and they're they're. Uh, even the veterans are a little queasy about this one, so we'll see. Have you been in a hurricane? Yeah, I'm Cuban. I mean, we basically, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we live in hurricanes. Yeah, I've been in a lot of hurricanes. They, they, um, they're, uh, they're pretty bad. There's no way to really get away from them. It's not like a tornado. You know, a hurricane, uh, a hurricane when it's there, it's, you've got to deal with it. If you're there, you're going to deal with it one way or another. I always tell people because they say, "What's it like?" I said, "There's nothing you can you can even try and wrap your head around to see winds at 120 miles an hour 
And then when the eye comes over you, there's no wind and you can actually look up and see the sky. And if it's at night, you can see stars. And then two yeah. minutes later, it's 120 miles an hour wind again. It's the freakiest yeah, it's thing. Surreal. Ever. It's absolutely oh, surreal. So uh, since we last talked, you've been on like a barbecue safari. I've been following you through your Instagram, uh, Sabor Chef, all over the country. But you called and you said you have breaking news, big news today. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I got some guys and, you know, in the big in the food industry and we were sitting down and uh, halfway through a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, people get really generous with their information. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we were sitting there talking to these guys. And if I find out that Dunkin' Donuts is um, they're changing most of their names in the future to Dunkin'. They're removing the donut thing. So as I'm talking to the guy, I'm like, oh, that's, that's funny. So as I keep talking to him, talking to him, we find out that the reason is, is they're going to turn into pods and they're going to have kiosks. So they are preemptively going to get rid of half of their workforce because they still have worked for McDonald's. So it's going to be the first national coffee chain that uh, it's going to be computer run. And that's why they're getting rid of the donut part of it. because There's no robot that can grab a donut. Ain't that something? You're, you're kidding. Wait, so Dunkin' nope. Donuts, they're going to they're drop the donuts. It's just going to be Dunkin'. There's one opening in a couple weeks, um, and they, they've sent out you know, their PR department nice and quietly, sent out a little thing to USA Today. Um, there's a little article. I'll send you the link to it. And then uh, there's a little article that they're chopping their menu to better serve their, com their, their customers. That came out of Boston, out of the Boston Globe. And uh, you put it all together, and it's basically they're getting ready to go to war. They're 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 going to they're going to make a lot of money because uh, they figured out in corporate that uh, speed is better than product. You know that's and McDonald's is proving that with their earnings this year. It's phenomenal. Well, this this is that? fascinating because you know yeah. McDonald's went straight at. Dunkin' Donuts with their coffee attack about five years ago, I think, or maybe it was right. longer. But right. that that paid off big time. Right. Well, wow. it did and it didn't until now. So what happens is in the corporate world, they're realizing that McDonald's is becoming, they're selling more and more coffee because it's easier to get it through the automated system. You know, it's easier to get exactly what you want, a little more cream, less cream, whatever, through the automated system. So the software is almost done. And I think it's a Microsoft Oracle uh, job that they're doing. But the software is almost done where you can be able to order all these special drinks from Dunkin' Donuts. And word on the street, well, word in, you know, in the corporate street is, you know, it's really going to hurt things like Starbucks, where Starbucks spent so much PR on that culture, on the employee culture and stuff. And it's going to be very hard for them to pivot once Dunkin' Donuts starts putting in these computers. Well, the the interesting thing here is Dunkin' Donuts, uh, and I'm just doing, we're talking to Carl Ruiz. You know him as the Cuban or the Mad Cuban. I just know him as Carl or just Cuban. We're talking to Carl, mm -hmm. and he, he is a chef of note, but he's also a guy who's got clarity on a lot of business and a lot of good common sense. I'm looking at Dunkin' Donuts from a, a stock perspective, and they are probably at a, almost a nine-month low. At this point. Right. Uh, so uh, I wonder, I, I haven't even talked to any of my broker buddies. I wonder if this is a, a buying opportunity 
if um, if this is going to make a big change. But so this really isn't even out there yet. No, I mean, look at McDonald's, right? Look at McDonald's where their stock was before they installed the computers uh, and look at them now. And Dunkin' Donuts obviously, obviously saw that and they're making the move and it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. And it's, and it's everything that I fight against because what basically at the end of the day, we're turning food into fuel, right? It's like, it's turning food into a gas station where, you know, that human interaction is gone. That novelty is gone. The artisan, you know, the artisanal approach to things are gone, but it's just, you, you know, thank you know shake the hand of your local politician every time someone protests about minimum wage you're going to see another robot <laughs> you know what I mean? so it's uh it's coming well, it's coming it, and i talked to my buddy jeffrey who's probably one of the more, most premier kitchen designers uh in the world and he was like yeah man the galleys are getting thinner and which means when the galleys where's where the people walk through they're getting thinner and they're getting more, you know, robot centric where, you know, sooner or later, there's going to be very few people in these things. I'm watching, uh, Carl, I watch at my local Starbucks when I go inside and I see more and more people ordering with the app ahead of time and coming in and picking right. it up. And so right. they don't actually have the barista relationship anymore. This seems like it's kind of the same thing. I imagine people will be able to do the same the same thing with their local Dunkin' Donuts. I'm sorry, their local Dunkin'. Dunkin'. See, and, and, and as soon as you see that, you know, they're going to walk away from the donut part, which is going to let them have a smaller real estate footprint uh, and more of a pod-like thing where let's go to Dunkin', you type in your stuff, and, it's, and they've seen unbelievable success with their app. Uh, they all have, and trust me, they're looking at the data. <laughs> you know, these are data-heavy companies. I mean... You know, their margins are nothing. So, you know, that is everything to them. And they, they're very well aware. But mark my words, in the next couple of years, Dunkin' Donuts is going to be one big, giant robot. One big, giant robot. And, and you, said the, um, you said something about Todd's. I'm not familiar with Todd's. Which one? Oh, did you say Todd's or Pods that you were talking about? Pods, Pods. That's, that's a, I'm sorry, that's an industry, that's an inside baseball thing. What we call any restaurant that's kind of dropped somewhere and plugged in and it's all robot like, and it's small and only serves a couple of products. We call them pods. Like okay. uh, in an airport, you would have a small a restaurant that has a lot of stuff on the menu would open a pod in an airport or at a music venue or something. So here come the pods. God. <laughs> now there, there's a question, Carl, that this is a business question. I'll, yeah. I'll post uh, I'll pose it here to you, but I'd also like to hear from anybody listening. There is a move afoot from those people who are part of the universal basic income movement, which we've discussed on this show ad nauseum, and the people who are at the fight for 15 center, the people who want to raise the minimum wage to at least 15 bucks an hour. There is a move afoot, a proposal for people to say, for every worker you replace with a robot, you should pay an annual tax that you would normally get in terms of income tax from the person you replaced. <laughs> this oh, would be, they're actually proposing, Carl, a robot tax so that if who you is? automate is? two who? jobs. 
who from this Orwellian, who's Orwellian enough to come up with something so awful like that? Well, there, there is a, a move afoot, and they call themselves the UBIs, the Universal Basic Income People. The UBIs right. are, are out there saying the robot revolution is going to take away so many jobs that it's time for the government to give everyone, a, everyone, even if you have a job, a minimum basic income in order for you to be able to not worry about your life. And, you know, it's just, it's craziness to me. But there are a bunch I, of just, people out there pushing it. Mike, it, it just, it, it just stuff like this makes me crazy. It, the person who probably runs this organization is typing their newsletter on an iPhone that has single-handedly probably taken away more jobs than anything on the planet. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. just, it's so ridiculous. It's technology. We move forward. It's all about education. You have to teach kids how to fix computers, not to protest. That's how we move on. See, you know? that's so, a, every, everybody that tells me they're losing their jobs to robots, I tell them, learn how to fix the robots because they'll break down eventually and they're going to need you. Write code, fix the motors, learn how to replace the robots when they break. Otherwise, stop. Be quiet. Right. You have to continue to educate. You know, the way that I cook today, as opposed to what I was taught 25 years ago in cooking school, is completely different. But I educate myself, use new equipment, you know, learn about emergent circulation, learn all these new ways. If there's a fad, uh, if there's a diet, I absorb it. I understand it. And I and I keep making money. So that's ridiculous. Well, I'm 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 happy to hear you keep making money because I, I know neither one of us won the Powerball. But, you know, next time, I'm sure. Oh, next I, time. I love it though when it comes out because there's nothing there's nothing more clear in life than telling you that life isn't fair than a picture of someone from Massachusetts with $800 million. <laughs> I, 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 I'm among the people who whispered the word mass holes when I heard that, that that happened. Apologies to all of you tender-eared people out there. But, uh, Carl, I, I appreciate the, uh, the tip. I'm, I'm going to jump away for a break and uh, open up my Schwab account and see if I can. I would, maybe... too. I, I did yesterday after I left. I said, well, I have something to do tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, my friend. I hope to see you soon. It's been too long. Thanks for the stakes, Mike. Unbelievable. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's uh, inside baseball. I'll explain to you guys later. we got to take a break. Thanks, Carl. We'll see you later. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a Friday. It just feels a little earlier in the week to me because I was away, but I'm very appreciative of all of you and all the kind thoughts you, you showered upon me in my brief absence. But I'm glad to be here tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. We will be uh, launching a brand new show. 6 a.m., fresh. That's not a new show. It's pure Opelka, but it's a fresh program. Every weekend, we try to be here for you. And after me, uh, Jeffy will be here. 
Uh, just around the corner after the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with a guest who actually is responsible for me having an entire day of dreaming because we found, I found on the shores of Cape May, New Jersey, a wine bottle with a note inside and the note also contained a lottery ticket. And I made a little video. If you haven't seen it, it's up on the, on the Twitter. You can check it out. And I put together the entire story where we're going to talk to the genius behind that message in a bottle and find out what it's about. But I also have to talk about, I've got a couple other strange stories I need to get to today. One of them You know, I'm probably going to tick off some people with this. There's a story that that caught my eye from uh, just about a week and a half ago. It's about uh, police lieutenant Jason Short, who responded to an emergency, a 911 call, said there's a baby alone in this car on a hot day. This happened in Keene, New Hampshire in the parking lot of a shopping plaza. Lieutenant Short raced over there because it was a 90-degree day, and we all know what happens with, with small children and animals left in a car on a hot day. It's, it's deadly. And he jumped out of his car, ran over to the, the vehicle that he was called to, and he looked inside the locked car, and there was a blanket draped over a car seat, a blanket in the 90-degree heat, and there were two little feet sticking out from under the blanket, 90 degrees. He took out his baton and whacked the window and shattered it, and he pulled the baby out of the car seat. He called for an ambulance, terrified that the baby was already dead. The baby's skin was blotchy and pale. The scene started to draw a crowd of onlookers. People started swarming. He began CPR and rescue breaths, said something didn't feel right. He pushed his finger into the baby's mouth and realized the baby was definitely not alive. No, the baby wasn't dead either. It was an incredibly realistic looking doll. A doll, a doll that someone had left in the car, in a car seat, while they were getting a haircut at the local supercuts. They're called reborn. Reborn dolls. And they're not cheap. They cost about $2,300, and they look like real children. They don't look like, you know, the perfect dolls that they are. Police are now having to put out notices to people saying, look, if you're going to have one of these reborn dolls, don't be leaving them in the car, in a car seat, looking like, I guess this is what these people do. They're pretending. These are adults pretending they have a baby. Now, why? I hope you're not mad about a smash in your car window. Real. Reborn. Come on, people. Can we get a little common sense? Spend that money on a food bank, maybe. Some real people, not a doll. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. 
Welcome back, Piero Pelka. You know, I told you guys on Wednesday, if you, if you stopped by my Twitter account and saw the video that I, I periscoped it live very early Wednesday morning as I was walking on the beach marveling at the sun coming up, God's beautiful wake-up call on a Wednesday morning. On the beaches of uh, New Jersey, just uh, at Cape May. I was in Cape May, New Jersey for a few days. Saw this wine bottle and opened, opened it up eventually because I didn't have a way to get the cork out on the beach. And there was a note inside with a lottery ticket of all things, a Powerball ticket. And the note read, put in ocean at Cape May Point, New Jersey, August 22nd, 2017. Good luck with the lottery. And then there was an email address. And I thought, what, a, what a, a strange and wonderful thing. I was just picking it up because I was like, I don't want a wine bottle floating around in the, in the water. You know, there are people, there are families and kids running up and down the beach and it could crack on those rocks or on the pilings. Then there's glass everywhere. So I picked it up, but the, the label was fresh. It hadn't been washed away. It was damp. But, you know, wine labels tend to get, they're ephemeral, they're paper. They'll go away in, in a matter of minutes. But this one, no. And that led to this adventure, this wild expansion of your dreams, thinking, wow, this providence that this, this lottery ticket ended up in your hands. And what happens if it's the ticket? Do you reach out to the person who put the bottle in and what was the story? And I had all these questions swirling in my head. So I reached out to the email address at the bottom of that note, which I still have this note in my hands. And it was a gentleman named David that I, I've never met before. We've never spoken before. We exchanged email uh, communication back and forth this morning. And I wanted to find out the story just because... It was so fascinating to me. And there's more to it than just that one bottle. So, David, I haven't given your last name out out of respect to you. If you want to do that, you're welcome to. But, David, welcome to Pure Opelka, sir. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm still at the beach, unlike you, so I'm still having a grand time. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Now, um, you told me that th this was not the only bottle you put in there. How many bottles with lottery tickets and notes did you toss into the ocean? Oh, I started doing this probably 20 years ago, and sometimes I put one bottle in. Sometimes I put two or three. This year I put four in. We had some company, so we had more bottles, so I put more in the ocean. And did each one of them have a single uh, lottery ticket, Powerball ticket? Well, that's what I always do. You know, if you find somebody who's lucky enough to find a bottle, you should give them some good luck and hope they win something. So I always stick a lottery ticket in it, yes. Well, what, a, what an interesting and, and wonderful idea, because I will tell you, David, um, it, it triggered so many wonderful thoughts in my head especially, you know, you think that there are no coincidences in life, that things happen for a reason. And for whatever reason, I was meant to find that bottle. 
and meant to explore the possibilities and share the story with others. Have any of the the uh, lottery tickets you've put into the ocean over the years turned uh, any winners to to uh, talk about? Have any have there been any success stories? You know, I'm I'm still waiting for a piece of the action of a winner. It hasn't happened yet, so no, <laughs> none of them have won. I have gotten, I think, four uh, letters. This was a, a, my bottles predate emails and texting so i got letters and postcards in the past i've gotten four or five over the years and um nobody's won but it's always interesting to see who gets the bottle yeah i think it's i think it's a really a really simple and wonderful way to connect to people uh can i ask what you do in life david uh, I just retired. I was a healthcare lawyer for 25 years and was fortunate enough to be able to retire. Well, good for you. And uh, are you a resident of that part of the world? No, we have spent two weeks at Cape May Point for the past 25 years. It's a marvelous place. Don't tell anybody about it because then more people will come and it won't be as nice. But it's a wonderful place. I'm sure you had a good time when you were in Cape May. Had an absolutely wonderful time. It's not a place I had been before. Uh, I we we moved out of Midtown Manhattan after 20 years and are now in Delaware. And you mentioned one of the bottles ended up in Delaware. Um, and one of them did. It was it was a, it was that was a fun one. It was a school teacher and she got her class involved in it. And we sent letters back and forth for a good part of a semester. Uh, I think it was a kindergarten class or maybe a first grade class. So she used it as an opportunity to do geography and history and all of that. The only bad part of that was they were all Yankees fans and I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> well, I'm a long suffering Chicago White Sox fan. So pox on both of your houses. <laughs> you, you guys have won more championships in my lifetime than my team has ever won total. So. Well, that, just, that is true. It just I, happens. What was amazing to me, and I appreciate the, seeing the YouTube, I, like you who opened the bottle and were wondering all about the sender, I send these off, and I always wonder what the recipient thinks. And it was a real pleasure to hear your thoughts and stories as you worked through what you were going to do with the bottle. It was really quite fun to listen to. Well, you're very kind. Uh, I will. I have not posted. I don't think the entire YouTube video. I should do that on my Twitter account. I will do that, David. Uh, but thanks for thanks for taking a little time out of your day, and thanks for just this little adventure you allowed me to go on uh, in the middle of the week. Like I said, we didn't win uh, anything in the lottery, but we won a wonderful experience all because of, uh, you and thank God you had a whole bunch of people at the house. So you had more bottles to throw in the ocean. <laughs> well, and I, I do appreciate you getting in touch with me. Sometimes you send me that and you never know what happens, but it's a, it's a real joy to hear it and to talk with you for a moment. Well, I will tell you next year, I might be combing the beaches again to see if another wine bottle shows up. Thanks, yeah. David. Yeah, you, you bet. Take care. Have a have a great day and stay in touch. I, uh, these are wonderful stories. We appreciate you. Uh, right. what a, Thank you so much. What a fun little adventure. I, I will post uh, a link to the the YouTube account. I did have a um, 
a video of I, I combined the morning and the evening so that you can see or what happened when I found the bottle and then what happened when we cracked it open. And unfortunately, there was no gigantic monetary payoff. But I will tell you this. It's not always about your bank account. It's about the adventures in your life. It's about the little journeys you find, the little stories and the joy that you can take out of any moment, any random moment. And I talk about situational awareness. And but for situational awareness, I wouldn't have seen that bottle spinning in the surf. I wouldn't have walked down and picked it up. And I wouldn't have gone on this little adventure. No, it didn't exactly yield a, a wheelbarrow full of money. But it certainly yielded a, a wheelbarrow and a couple of days full of fun and smiles. And I got to meet somebody who has for 20 years been doing this just because it's one of those things that we need to keep alive those just because moments i'm stepping aside for a break when we get back i have a i have a bone to pick with cnn i'm not happy about something that cnn's doing and i'm going to i'm going to let it fly cnn it's not you jim acosta so just sit down not everything that happens today is about you mr acosta but your network is in my crosshairs. And I'll deliver that message next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just a little bit of time left before the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo makes his way in here. So I need to remind you about Relief Factor. I use Relief Factor and apparently a lot of you use Relief Factor too. Go to relieffactor.com and you can get the details on it. But I wanted to share with you some of the some of the notes that were sent to Relief Factor from people who are using it. Tom from Texas writes, as an old guy, I didn't savor having bits of pain slowing me and preventing me from riding my bicycle or getting into and out of small aircraft in my line of work as a flight instructor. After taking Relief Factor, my intermittent lower back and left hip pain are virtually gone. And it also seems that that trigger finger syndrome that afflicted three fingers is getting better. Good for you, Tom. I appreciate that. I, I feel the exact same. I use it every single day, three times a day I take it. Amy in Colorado wrote, I've had a great reduction in stiffness and pain. I'm basically pain-free as long as I take relief factor consistently. It worked right away. Now, most people, seven to ten days. For me, it was day eight. Relief Factor is available in the three-week quick start pack. You can get it for $19.95. They've sold a million of these, and 80% of the people who order it reorder it. What does that tell you? It's $19.95, less than a buck a day, less than a dollar a day to try Relief Factor in the three-week quick start pack. Why not? 100% natural botanical mixture, also naturally harvested fish oils, 
So go to relieffactor.com or pick up the phone and call them at 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It is Relief Factor. Check it out. Now, before we get out of here, of course, continued, gosh, continued prayers and support for our friends in Texas. Tomorrow morning when we will light up the Blaze Radio Network on the early Saturday edition of, of Puro Pelka. I'm sure we're going to be getting news from Texas, and I hope, I hope the loss of life is not substantial. I hope it doesn't happen at all. I hope people are smart enough to get the heck out of the way. And I also hope the loss of property, but that's uh, property damage is pretty much a given when you've got storms this big and, and a water wall coming in as, as large as it is. So our friends in Texas and uh, family in Louisiana, God bless, take care. I've been watching this all day long as you watch the slow crawl of the hurricane in. And you, you just know people are going to be tuning into the news networks to keep up on this, as I have been doing. And as I've been watching, and I keep bouncing from Fox to CNN to MSNBC, just to try and see what the mixture is. I caught something on CNN, and they're spending considerable airtime promoting a special that they have coming up, marking the 20th anniversary of the death of Princess Diana. They're really putting a lot of time into this. And I started getting irritated by it. And it's not as, if you've listened to the show, you know I'm not a fan of the monarchy. I think it's a gigantic waste of time and money. And uh, nobody elected you. And I, I know, I know. What about the pageantry and all the charity work they do? Well, I'll tell you this. Diana's kids are the ones who seem to be actually taking that seriously and good for them. But no, I'm not a giant fan of the monarchy. And so when we have airtime on a network frothing over the 20th anniversary of Princess Diana, I think she died on the 30th of August in 1997 and the whole world stopped and we all were fawning and Elton John rewrote one of his songs and turned it into goodbye England's rose just a couple days after Princess Diana died another woman passed away a woman who was around a little bit longer and I think did a whole lot more for the world selflessly I'm talking about Mother Teresa, or as those of us in the Catholic Church refer to her, St. Teresa of Calcutta. It was just literally four or five days after Diana died and the giant mounds of flowers and, and the tributes were being built and then the conspiracy theories were swirling that Mother Teresa passed away. She lived in poverty most of her life. In 1950, she founded the Missionaries of Charity, a Catholic religious congregation and had nuns everywhere, active in hundreds of countries all over the world. They managed homes for people with AIDS and HIV and leprosy and TB, and they had soup kitchens and mobile clinics for kids. Her mission was to take care of the poorest of the poor.
Mother Teresa is now St. Teresa of Calcutta. I just want us all to remember, as CNN is bowing and scraping to the royals, that the same time, 20 years ago, a real saint passed away. A real saint showed us what charity is about. Diana, good for you in doing your work. But Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, God bless you. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Get up. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.